Days five hot takes. Yeah. Okay, so so we're back with Kevin Griffin, and I've got five songs that I think are incredible. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna let you, Kev, kind of speak to them. You just tell me about them. I'm gonna tell you the title. You you give me the thoughts. Okay, here we go. First one. This time of year. This time of year, it's about the the first uh, cool day uh, of, of fall, the first hint of fall that yes. goes down from uh, the north into the south, and, and makes you think of football and and school and and the first girlfriend or boyfriend, and and it's a it's a it's melancholy mixed with hopefulness. And it was written at a at a rest area when we broke down. No, in, uh, Canton, Mississippi, on the way to the LSU Ole Miss football game. Yeah. You are kidding me. No, oh, yeah. God, I wish I could write. that song. I mean, I'm going to talk about I, I'm going to talk about this also in your intro, but that song is probably in my top twenty of all time. Dude, thank you so much. And, and do you know why? Because because music does its own job, but I think life has a lot to do with why we love music, and that's a really dumb understatement. What I mean is the cross when when music hits at seminal moments, that it, it, both of them get amplified. So the song becomes more important, the moment becomes more important. But that was like. That song when I bought that record was like right as I was moving to Tennessee in high school, and that's anyway. But I love that song. Well, thank you so much. And look, and people often come to me, and and they usually preface what they say with, "I know this is going to sound stupid, but," and they'll say like that your song so and so. This time of year, often they'll they'll say is it takes me back to my freshman year, blah blah blah. blah, blah. And I and I always say to somebody. You're giving me the biggest compliment that's I right. ever had. That's right. That's right. Because that's what I feel about my favorite song. So thank right. you so much. It's yeah. a, and never say it's stupid because it's awesome. Well, these are all that to me. So uh, what about Rewind? Wow. Rewind uh, was written uh, for the Friction Baby Sessions. It was right at the end. And I, di- I didn't feel like we, I think we, I, I wanted something that just was poppier, that, that, that felt more like a, a hit. At least that's what, where my head was. And Rewind was about a specific mixtape that a buddy of mine, Clark Marty, made for me that had all this, like, uh, Psycho Billy songs by the Cramps and Flat Duo Jets. And there was this girl uh, that I had a crush on, and I gave her the the mixtape, and we would we would ride around in her car listening to it all oh. over. And, we got, we got, and, and I was driving a car one time, and she was putting makeup on, and I had to slam on the brakes, and she and she smeared the lipstick uh, across her face. And that's that lyric is in... Uh, the song, but it's just about how a mixtape or a group of songs or a song becomes the soundtrack to your life. Ugh. And that's what Rewind is about, you know, but and wanting to go back to that time, but not being able to and then using the metaphor of a cassette tape. <laughs> but you nail it. And I think that's I, I, I feel like I, I have a few skills that I lack greatly in songwriting. One of them is the ability to do exactly that. If you give me that title and been like, write this, it would be so half baked or obvious and you just stick the landing so hard on that song i feel like well thank you very much but it was funny because i just wasn't it becomes harder and harder the longer you write just to to write something innocently and not not to try to be overt about it you know uh but that song was just just fell out but but it was just a story man about a mixtape i wanted to write a song about a mixtape because mixtapes were such precious things to us that yeah, now I guess you have your playlist. You could share a playlist, but there was nothing better than a cassette mixtape that you hand wrote mm. and, and you put little hearts and smiley faces, and you did it for a girl, oh. you did it for your best friend, and it was just such a personal gift so personal. to somebody. Because it took a lot of effort, which these days I don't, I don't know. Oh yeah. Uh, what about Collide? Collide started with the title. 
I knew that Collide was was just an amazing title. It conjured in my head so many uh, images, and it was just so chock full of promise. And I cannot write the song that 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 lived up to the title. And it was I tried to write a rock song, and then like a, a singer songwriter song, and then I heard. Bruce Springsteen, Secret Garden, and the chord progression and how it just had this one sustaining note, and it was just the descending chord progression. And the Collide one isn't that chord progression, but just the form and that idea, that that whole uh, picture, that scene that it painted, I was like, that's the Collide template. And so I, I picked up the guitar and started writing it. I wrote the chorus to Collide, and then I was like, oh my God, this is this is a hit chorus, and then the next week I was writing with Howie Day, in uh, at my studio in New Orleans. This was in 2005, before Hurricane Katrina came and, and destroyed the city, and I played the song for Howie, and he was like, "Oh my God, this is my crash." No. Yeah, and he knew this. We both knew this was like a crash, Dave Matthews crash level kind of song, you know. And, and then, so we, we wrote the verses together and they were very Howie-esque, the verses, because there's a lot of non sequiturs, you know, lyrically. And then we tweaked the chorus together and, and, and that was a great collaboration on a song. What a great song. That song is such a good song. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I, I love too, I think the production of that one is such a massive, the... It's so, oh, let me oh. tell you. So that part, it was produced by Youth, who is yeah, a guy yeah, yeah, who, who yeah. did a lot of stuff in the early 90s. He was in a band called Killing Joke, I believe, yeah. an 80s kind of post-punk band. But that part, the do-do-do, that, other than the string part, they really aped the demo I did. And uh, that vocal hooks, just speaking of hooks, I was like, I knew I wanted to do a little ear candy because that's that song starts with the double first verse, mm, right? Yeah. Just like, just like the song, yeah, Good yeah, yeah. the double first verse. And I wanted to put something, some ear candy to hang our hats on. And I was like, what about we do the do, 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 and then let me get a Mellotron flute sample and play it along. Ugh. And then it's, then it just had that weird, what is that sound kind of quality. And our, our only summing block, we finished the demo and I was like, Wait a second. Am I ripping off Paula Cole? I don't want to wait because she she has. That's right. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we went and was like, "No, no we're, we're good. We're good." <laughs> All right. What about at the stars? At the stars was inspired by a Loudon Wainwright song mm. because he plays it's he plays this. What is this? G, like a G, and you go down. Oh seven. Yeah, major seven. Yes, And I just thought, I just heard, he has a song called Motel Room Blues, I think. Mm. It's, that's such a plaintive, mm. kind of Harry Nilsson-esque yeah, chord. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that sent me on my way. I was like, oh my God, this reminds me of just being with somebody you're in love and infatuated with and you don't want the night to end and let's just disappear up the coast and not have our parents tell us what to do and just and say, and be in this moment and never let it end. And that's where At The Stars, and it was literally the, this girl I was, in love with was she was kind of crazy and one time she we were driving and she rolled the window down and set up on the door oh my you gosh. know when, yeah so she would sit she was facing me and her knees are facing me but her body was above out of the car yelling and screaming at the stars you know and so that is amazing. 
amazing. And uh, and that image, you know, and just stuck with me. And just about being not wanting to bend to other people's idea of what what you should be and who you should be and where you're going in your life. And and at this, so that's what the inspiration of the song. And then Travis just came up with that, that drum beat, which is so propulsive and unique and cool. And then it was the production of of Malcolm Byrne. Malcolm Who's a freaking genius. Malcolm Byrne did the the uh, Hatter's uh, Garden Girl album. He is a protege of Daniel Lenoir and a great producer. He, he won a Grammy for best uh, Americana album with Red Dirt Girl yeah. with Emily. Yeah. And he uh, brought this this murky. He mixed it too. It's really compressed. It's a it's a funky sounding recording. And then the piece de resistance and going full circle was I was such a fan of of Jeff Buckley Grace. I wanted to find, I found out who did the string arrangements on that album, which are epic. They're like Paul Buckmaster. Oh, they're incredible. Right? They're incredible. And it was a guy named Carl Berger. And Carl Berger was a string arranger who lived in Woodstock, New York. And he was all, but he, what he was really known for in the jazz world was a, was a award-winning vibraphonist. Because of that, we, we made the album in New Orleans. We went up to Dream uh, Dreamland Studios in Woodstock, New York. We, we mixed the album. We finished recording it. And we did all the string parts and sessions in this Dreamland studio, which is this big church. And Carl Berger came in with the string section from people who came up from uh, New York City, all, all players and uh, Broadway shows. And we had the most amazing string uh, sessions uh, there and the, the, so the convergence of that song with Travis's drumming, that kind of '90s hyper compressed uh, mix with Carl Berger's uh, strings, made this iconic song at the stars. To this day, it just sounds so good, and uh, it's it's why it's fans one of fans' uh, favorite better than Ezra song. You just nailed this, but I think to me, it's that really amazing convergence of all the right things at the right time. A great yeah. song, uh, I think, a really iconic. Uh, guitar part, what you did, it has, so you have a little hook that's really good, met with a great song, and then the production and the string, everything about it is right. And I love those moments. Thank you so much. And that big 90s bridge. Oh my gosh. The bridges in the 90s were just massive. Huge. They were just like drums. I remember telling Travis, our drummer, I was like, play more drums. No, no, make it more, make it more Keith Moon. Yeah. Make it more. He's like, oh, it, which wasn't his thing he would normally do. And then we would do that. And then we're like, yes. Yeah. I, now, I, now I almost laugh at some, like the bridge on, uh, uh, lifetime. Now I'm kind of, when we play it live, I, I just kind of laugh. I was like, oh my God, this is this is time machine to the 90s. Well, and so it's funny you say that song because that's my last one is Lifetime. And I want to say this. this I'm going to come in with a, hot, with a hot take on this. I really think that song is, I, I grieve so heavily that song didn't get the radio international. Uh, that song to me is just... I heard that song and I was like, I remember feeling this a few times as like a like before I really knew what I was doing musically. And, and it happened with two songs, a few more, but the two I remember really clearly were I heard Black Balloon by Goo Goo Dolls. And I remember oh, thinking, yeah. I don't, I just know that's going to be a hit. You know, I think I was still in high school. And I just remember thinking, like, I don't know anything about music, but when I hear that song, I know it's a hit. I felt, I remember hearing that with Lifetime and going, like, oh, dude, here we go. Better than oh, yeah. here we go. But to me, those songs are very akin because of the string part. But it it's got some of the re, the you know rewind. It's got some of that story, you know, some of that same sort of music centric story 
you know, uh, the REM tape was playing, you know, like, oh, yeah. I just, I hear Lifetime and it really, I put it on my like 10 songs that I wish if I could time travel, I would go back and be like, no, I'm going to put this in the right guy's desk that has to play the right thing. at the right You know, time. Lifetime was really cool because it was, um, it was at this time for me writing songs where I, I had this aha epiphany moment where I was like, oh, I don't have to just write about my own life. I can, I can, my own experience is always going to inform the lyrics, but but I can write fiction. I I can write these narratives where I'm in it uh, or, or inform it, but I I can just make up a whole story. And and the lyrics were uh, I had just heard about how Graham Parsons, the great you know from Fly Burrito Brothers, how how when he passed away, famously his friend stole his casket out of a uh, cargo at LAX, and they drove it. Uh, out to Joshua Tree, 29 Palms, and they set it on fire when the sun came. What? Out. Yeah, there, there's a whole book and a movie, uh, Graham Theft Auto, about them stealing his casket. And it was such a crazy romantic story, and I'm sure a, a lot of embellishment has happened over the years. But I love that that idea of it was just so romantic. And then I was like, well, I'd lost somebody in high school. And so I just kind of wove in Graham Parsons and the, losing her and this story of friends stealing the urn of ashes from a, a wake at a funeral and taking it to where you just kind of grew up and you had these moments at the beach and you're listening to REM as the sun comes up. And so that was a, that was just like this really great moment writing that song, but going back, yeah, there's so many songs. It really kind of hurt for a while when you knew a song was a hit, but it didn't happen. And then later you realize, Oh man, it makes you appreciate the songs that are hits that much more because you didn't, you know, Man, you, you're going to write songs that were every bit as good and hooky and worthy of being a hit, but it's this weird, to use this word, convergence again, it's this weird alchemy of 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 chance, the right label manager, the PD at the radio station who happened to put it on for some reason, you know, and when that happens, you thank God, you're just grateful, but it has to be enough at some point to say, it's just a great song. Mm. You knew it could have been, but your fans love it. I get to speak to somebody like you about it. But yes, I thought like, that's why we did it twice. Yeah. In 2001, we put it on Closer, and it was a slower, kind of looser version. And then then the label we were with in 2005 said, you've got to re-record this song. This song is a hit. And then they went bankrupt when, when they were putting it out. But so it used to sting, the, oh, because people would say that, oh, that should have been a hit. You're like, man, don't say that. But then you just get like, yeah, man, it should have been. But I love the song and fans love it. Well, but- and there's such a thing I've had to realize in my career as hits for your fans. Oh, yeah, man. They don't do the global job of that, but it does for the people that already listen. And it just cements even more their affection in another song that they go like, oh, here's another song I love by the band I love. Exactly. And there's something to be, it's nice to be someone's best kept secret or someone's yeah favorite band that everyone doesn't else doesn't like. No, as the artist, we wish we were Coldplay or, or insert massive band. But then when I think about, well, we I'm, you know, getting to sit here and talk to you, you know, 30 years on and uh, doing a career where I, I, that's what I do. It's just like, uh, yeah, I'm just thankful. Yeah. Dude, thank you so much for doing this. Brother, anytime now you've got, you're going to, we're, I'm going to come knocking. Come on knocking. Devil gets his due. <laughs> <laughs> oh, There's five hot takes. Yeah. yeah.